out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where people gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never, never, ever discuss in a film studies course. However, it is the month of January in which we do our anti trash. That's right, not good trash, but good. Um, or at least not uh, the trash kind of movies. Uh, movies that might come up in a film space course, movies that are considered more of the high art fashion. This week's film is A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, just sounds like uh, what happens sometimes, uh, but it's a little bit more than that. It's in Farsi. It involves vampires and a good time to be had by all of us. Let's begin by identifying the disembodied voices speaking to your brains. To my right, sir, who are you? My name is Caleb Masters, and Dustin, don't leave me alone. Don't don't leave me alone. Okay. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, we can stay together. It's fine. Uh, to my left, sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and Dustin, do you know how many days I had to work to get this car? <laughs> Someone did the math, and it's about six years. <laughs> I, I do know how many days you've worked. You know how many days I've had to work because you don't have your car? Two. Uh, two. That sucks. <laughs> two. He's had to work two days. <laughs> we went to breakfast. It was good. I enjoyed breakfast. Uh, moving on, uh, down to my left, ma'am, who are you? My name is Alexander Bohannon, and I'm bad. <laughs> Accurate statement. My name is Dustin Sells, and uh, Dalton, mm-hmm. be a good boy. I always am. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh. Hey, you know my motto. I'm nice until it's time to not be nice. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. We've now identified who's speaking to you to give you a bit of warning in case this is the first time you've tuned into the Good Trash Genre Cast. Uh, we are not a review show. We are an analysis show, and that means that we will be spoiling the film in question. But we won't do it until about halfway through the show. The way it works is this. We'll begin with our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews that is preceded by a synopsis from the voice of the Dalton Theater. And then we move right into our gameplay, which might involve spoilers of the film in question or mild spoilers of other films. But once we get down to business, all bets are off, and it's spoiler town, ladies and gentlemen, and you have now been warned. So thus, and therefore, without any further ado, voice of the Dalton Theater, Mr. Dalton Stewart, let's hear the synopsis of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. In the Iranian ghost town of Bad City. A place that reeks of death and loneliness. The townspeople are unaware they are being stalked by a lonesome vampire. Yes, indeedy. All righty. Well, I want to hear what you guys... That was really good. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. just going to throw that out there. It was fun. It was good. Backpats for you. It was about as lonely as this lonely town. I am not lonely. You leave me alone. Shut up. <laughs> it's not It's not lonely if it's what you choose. All right. Well, Dalton, I'm actually going to go to you first because I think uh, your uh, thoughts are maybe slightly different than the rest of the lot. Uh-oh. I, I mean, I liked it. I know. It, it's a sleepy movie and I couldn't really get on its wavelength. I think that's really what it comes down to. Uh, this is a movie, and in fairness, this is a movie for you know two and a half years now I've been hearing nothing but great things about. I've been meaning to get around to it. I almost saw it in theaters probably two or three times, and I just never got to it. And uh, I liked it okay. Um, I I guess I'm troubled by what I find to be a bit of misrepresentation of marketing. First of all, it's not an Iranian film. It is an American Iranian film, which I think is a huge distinction because this is is an American film. This movie owes a a lot more to David Lynch and Jim Jarmusch than it does Abbas Kiarostami. I mean, let's just fucking put our cards on the table. Yeah. And that's fine. That's okay. And you can have an American film that's not in English. That's totally... There's plenty of really great American films that are in other languages than English. But being in Farsi does not make it an Iranian film. That's just my feeling on it. I think it's a little... I think it's a strange marketing choice. And I don't know if that was the filmmaker's choice. Um... Uh, the filmmaker, who's very talented, by the way, and we will get to that in just a moment. I think it's a strange choice. The other marketing thing that I think is a strange choice is calling this movie a Western. Now, there are some spaghetti Western flourishes, uh, especially especially the font for the title, uh, which is really fun, Um, some musical cues, um, even a little bit of cinematography, but, I mean, it feels very much like 
and again, it, it's supposed to take place in Iran. It still feels like Southern California. I mean, the palm trees, it, fe- it feels like a part of Southern California that happens to have a lot of Iranian people living in it. It does not feel like it's in Iran. Um, that's just my feeling. I, you know, uh, that said, I did like the movie. I just, th- those are, that's something that's just kind of bothered me as I was watching it because that is, the movie was heavily marketed as the first Iranian vampire Western. Well, it's got a vampire in it. And they, there's a lot of Iranian people in it, but that that's only two of those things that you just mentioned, and one of them's like a half. So I don't know. I just it's something that bothers me in a weird way that probably shouldn't. Um, it's a it's a stupid and silly thing to get to get hung up on, and I know that I recognize it, and I feel like an asshole. I'm gonna soldier forward anyway. I, I'm sorry though if I sound like an asshole. I'm not trying to because I do like this movie. It's beautiful. Um, it is really, really incredibly beautifully shot. The black and white cinematography in this film uh, is something something special. Uh, Anna Lily Amapour, uh, who wrote and directed this film, holy crap. Um, she is a, a filmmaker to watch because there is a lot of really great stuff going on in this film that she does. Um, she, she's assembled quite the team uh, in terms of, uh, from a production standpoint, not just, the, although the cast is fine, they're, they're quite good as well. Uh, but I mean, specifically her cinematographer, who was a, a person by the name of Lyle Vincent, um, her editor, uh, the art direction, it's all a very, it's a very great looking movie. It just doesn't totally work for me. It never really pulled me in. I liked the characters, uh, but the characters are kind of thinly sketched. It, it It's paced like a character study, except there's not really anything of interest about the characters, if that makes any sense. Uh, the vampire scenes uh, are quite awesome. Um, the most is made of what I assume was a limited budget uh, because they still look very cool. Uh, and yeah, no, there there's something very cool about uh, a lady vampire skateboarding down the street with uh, a head covering. Like, it's, it's fucking rad. But it just, it's a, a really strong first film, but I, I would hardly call it a great film. Which is no, 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 it's no insult. It's just, and yes, I know what you're thinking. But Dalton, you like movies all the time that have thinly sketched characters and don't really go anywhere. I would counter with that those movies have kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> and this film does not. There, There is very little kung fu. There is no kung fu. Well, that'd be I very checked. Little. But it does have an awesome soundtrack. It does have a really great score. I uh, checked it out. It's a, on vinyl, FYI. A great, yes. it has a, a, some very fun um uh, pop music. I mean, they're not really pop songs. What's that? What's that word, Dustin? I'm looking for. Um, Dubstep. Uh, new wave. No, 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 Techno. no. When you use pre-existing music in your phone. Oh, uh, your uh, popular music. I guess that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's pre, pre- we call we call that pop music. They're not, I mean, they're not really pop songs. Previously recorded songs. Yeah. Uh, songs not recorded for the film that are, are really good. The score itself is really good. The cinematography is really good. Uh, the actors all have these really, really incredibly striking faces that just look amazing in black and white. I mean, they it just it's really good. But there's a lot of plot threads that don't go anywhere, and the, I don't know. The movie just kind of ends. Um, I really do like one plot thread that doesn't go anywhere, and we'll talk about that more when we get to analysis. But overall, uh, soft recommend. Do enjoy it, but probably will never watch it again. Alrighty, well thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters, what did you think of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night? Yeah, I thought the movie was actually really great. Now, is it, uh, you know, to Dalton's point, is this movie I'm like going to be fired up and like preach the the gospel to all my friends? Not necessarily, but I I actually uh, do really like the characters a lot. I was really engaged and kind of uh, interested in seeing how this... uh, dynamic worked I mean because I you know I, I was actually there was a point Dalton and I, I disagree there was a point of tension for me whenever you see your main character dressed as the, as the vampire encounter the girl I was like ooh where is this gonna no, go no that part was really that cool was, that was, it was a great scene and it just took and honestly I didn't know anything about this movie other than that it had gotten a lot of buzz a couple of years ago and it had been on my, my radar for a while uh, and I think uh, the movie has a really good uh, a fair amount of suspense uh, and it's unpredictable in that nature because I didn't feel like I was watching a paint by the numbers story. So even though you know, I, are they thinly veiled characters? Are they pretty th- you know, paper thin characters? I think there's a good argument for that. But I I do think that the the phenomena of uh, the girl and your main character, what's going on there, I think is is really interesting to watch. So I, I really like that about the film. I've already mentioned the score. Um, I really think the movie uh, is is uh, done in black and white, and I think it's used really really well just to kind of 
set the tone for what this whole city they're living in is like. It's just it is just morbid and depressing, and and just feels empty. I mean, even when your characters are, you, do we do we ever see more than two or three characters on the streets at the same time? I, I mean, you could attribute some of that to budget, but I really think it's the the film is is trying to just articulate what kind of a, a you know depraved and empty place the town is. So I, I like I like all those things uh, about it. Um, and, you know, I, I also appreciate your distinction about the difference between this being an Iranian film and an Iranian-American film. That said, I think both perspectives are equally valuable. And 100%. Yeah. Yes. And I just, I feel like my, my sticking point, again, is that it very much feels like an American film. It owes a lot to American filmmakers. Absolutely. And I feel like calling it an Iranian film is disingenuous. It's an Iranian-American film, though. Exactly. Yeah, it, yeah, it totally yeah. is. And now that aspect of it I find very interesting because there is a lot that I think this film owes to um, that the writer-director and the stars are uh, multicultural people. They they have a, a foot in both worlds, which I think is super cool. I think there's nothing wrong with advertising it as an Iranian-American film. I think that's... I would say it's probably one of... The, the more in, I can't think of a lot of films that are Iranian American films exactly, and which one, is really cool. And, and on the top it off, it's it's uh, you know written and directed by a woman too. So yeah, I mean, I mean these it's super are, awesome. It's super awesome. These films exist, and I think I think overall this is a, this is a very very high quality film uh, that deserves to be watched. I mean, for that reason alone, uh, just get, give it more attention so we can get more people uh, of color and mm-hmm. uh, just women in general making films. But yeah. I, but I don't I don't that, that's not I'm not giving a pass on that measure because I actually think this this is a movie that has enough suspense. Uh, and interest and uh, aesthetic and score like just all those kind of uh, it is immersive film like I feel like I'm living in that really oppressive city that's just empty and lonely and I like that about the film uh, so for me I think that merits definitely recommend merits a recommendation all right well thank you very much for that Mr. Caleb Masters Ms. Alexander Bohannon this is a host pick for the month of January from you this is a host pick cold though if I'm correct yeah. yes I've never seen this film before and honestly that's kind of how I've been digging on most of my host picks is like doing something like, Hey, I've been wanting to see this movie for forever. Here's an excuse to see it. And, uh, I will prioritize it. This movie is great. I love this movie. It is everything I want in a movie, strong female leads, you know, kicking ass, taking names. Actually, not really. I mean, it's a slow paced, it's a slow paced thriller genre piece, um, beautifully shot in black and white. Um, I was actually having conversations with one of uh, my friends, Jacob Layton Burns, who made Electric Nostalgia, another black and white movie. And we were talking about, um, you know, this, just the nuances of shooting movie that's intended to be in black and white as a stylistic directorial choice. Um, and, and it's really interesting, like the kind of uh, tonal things you have to keep in, keep in mind whenever you're picking out wardrobe. Um, things, just su- subtle things like makeup too, because I noticed that all of all of the characters in this movie, as opposed to like Francis Ha and Electric Nostalgia, are highly contoured um, in this film. Like to the point where, if I'm sure, if we saw them in color, it would be like dark brown or black makeup to contour them, um, which I find really interesting and kind of adds to this ethereal tone to the film in general. I thought that um, there, this movie has a lot to say about um, feminism, and it and it did some really great subversion of expectations. Because whenever I saw the, I'm not going to go too much into spoilers, but as soon as I saw you know this handsome debonair guy with a really sick haircut, you know, smoking cigarettes, I'm like, oh well. Um, our lead actress. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I knew you were going to chime in you on that rang. one. Uh, you rang. Um, I, I figured that our lead actress would have some kind of emotion, um, romantic or emotional relationship with this person, and it took it in a direction which I liked much better. And, and unlike Dalton, I like it ending on a very like. I really like the note that this film this film ends on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the fact that we are very open ended as to what this means for them, what this means for um, everyone. Uh, sorry if I spoiled too much of this movie for you, but. I think this movie has a lot to say and a lot of which I can't really talk about in a review, but I have to say two hard thumbs up um, watching a woman led production. You can just tell and it feels so nice. And, and like, I feel like for the instance of that romantic emotional relationship, I feel like 
um, I'm sorry. I feel like a man directing this. Uh, our typical Hollywood male directors, if he they were directing this, we wouldn't have had as much nuance there, and it would have ended in a completely no, different agree. way. I would agree with that. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Ugh, that. But so I was really happy to see that my expectations on that were, uh, you know, subverted, and that it kind of it tried to. It acknowledged the tropes. I mean, straight on, we're talking about Dracula in the text of the film with this very caricatured outfit, which is fantastic. And then we have that with this real world contrast of, you know, this this woman who happens to be a... a it, it, we never hear the word vampire in the movie. So whether she's a cannibal or a succubus or whatever she is, um, blood-sucking fiend. Um, so whenever we get... Uh, <laughs> our contrast between these two characters, I think it's really, really smart, um, in that inclusion of it. Overall, two thumbs up. Watch this movie, please, soon, now. Thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohan. And I, of course, what do you expect? Uh, yeah, you're a, such a mark for this movie, Pops. How did you get through this movie? Did you have to like pause and take breaks to cool off a little yeah, bit? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so it's a, <laughs> this is a... Vampire movie, which is a mashup between Let the Right One In and Persepolis, directed by Jim Jarmusch, produced by David Lynch. Yes. What more do you want from me with shades of film noir going all over the photography? I am. Th- I have so many wheelhouses that this it is spins all-, all of your plates. Yeah, it, I, yeah. It, it touched me in all the places that I liked, and uh, therefore, um, yes, indeed, this is a this is this is this is the kind of thing I like, and I don't expect a whole lot of it narratively. Um, I'll talk more about its influences and the sort of uh, cinema watching the sort of spectator that it inscribes later in my analysis but yeah this is this is this is stuff Dustin likes so yeah what more can you say it was one of the first films I watched in my 52 films by women um, that I watched last year of which I watched 54 and so I feel proud overachieving of congrats extra credit all right well moving right along uh, we're going to uh, stop with this and move on to something a lot more fun, which is our gameplay. Guys, it's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> this week's game is Famous Hollywood Monsters You Would Like to Fall in Love With You. That's right, Famous Hollywood monsters that you would like to fall in love with and would also like those feelings reciprocated. Brought to you by <laughs> A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. You you know, honestly, though, really, for the sake of safety, I wouldn't advise it all the time. Like, I know that that's a bad thing, but th- th- this, this is the world we live in. And, you know, I, I wouldn't advise anybody walking home alone at night. That's just my feeling on it. All right, well, thank you very much. I walked Walt. home alone tonight the other day, and I was very nervous the entire time. <laughs> that was that was very strange, but I, I appreciate it because I think it goes well with this very strange film that we just watched. I'm going to go to you first, Mr. Caleb Masters. What monsters do you want to fall in love with? Would you want to fall in love with you? I, I mean, monsters are tough. Do I really want to fall in love with monsters? I mean, there are, are monsters that I sympathize with and empathize with, but they're still kind of crazy psycho killers usually or they're they're woefully misunderstood to a point that they cause they eventually become destructive unfortunately because of the world they're put in i was gonna say sarah palin too it's okay <laughs> well moving i don't along. know about that i don't <laughs> know about that dustin but she's good looking. i will start things off with uh one of my first crushes out there which would be santico pandemonium uh from shit, shit, uh, shit. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn, which uh, I don't know. Do I actually have a relationship with her? Probably not, because she's, you know, a blood-sucking vampire that doesn't seem to have too much uh, empathy for everyone. But you know what? There's the thing with the snake and the, yeah, yeah the that thing. Did, that did some things I got a too. black magic woman. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, good, good stuff. Uh, so uh, I'll switch things over to aliens. This one's going to be really weird. Uh, so we're going to look at... Sill from Species. Dog, I thought I was the only one that remembered that movie. That's no, one of my I picks too. Dude, I Natasha Henstridge. Oh, yeah, man, way back before I had, yeah. you know, I could drive and things. Sci-Fi Channel, all three Species yeah. marathons. That was a, a yeah. very early um, wake up call for for me as well. <laughs> oh yeah, I th- I'm thinking yeah. like the, ten or eleven. The, yeah, Oof. the wheels were turning. I was like, what is? Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> what? Uh, this is yes. going in the weird. Place. Yeah, I, I, no, I want to get Prain Mantis. You, I mean, if you're gonna Whoa. if you're gonna if you're gonna get killed by some sort of creature that's gonna you by know, an alien succubus, succubus yeah. then I, I mean, I, I want I want to be I want to be pragmatisted. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, but uh, on that note, though, I do want to go to another uh, pick. Dustin's gonna love this one. So, uh, Mary Beth from The Faculty, and you know what? She's just misunderstood. 
She just wants to make planet Earth better and happier. And all those dumb jocks and, and potheads just won't let her do it. I don't understand what, what, what the problem is. So if we just we just tried to build a relationship with her, you know, maybe things would work out. I mean, you know, she's the last of her species. There's something to empathize with there, right, Dustin? Come on. I'm not going to speak about the faculty right now. Oh, my God. Well, what is your problem? No heart. Uh, but, yeah, you know, uh, so I definitely have some, some feelings over there, Dustin. But that'll, those will be my picks for today. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, what are your selections? So my selections for uh, the sexy monsters that you want to either smooch or get with or whatever, (laughs) Um, I have a few selections for that. First of all, um, er like every child of the 90s, uh, one of my early monster crushes was the Beast in Beast form from Beauty and the Beast 1991. Uh, Because whenever he turns into Fabio Light, I'm just like not into it anymore. I'm just like, you were cute once, but not now at all. Um, We will see how well the CGI works. uh, Probably not well at all for our 2017. uh, Yes, this year, April. Yeah, but when he unmonsters, he turns into a delicious old, um, oh God, what's his name? From the guest, right? That's the... yeah, Dan Stevens. Yeah. He turns into Dan Stevens? Yeah, he in does. the live action version? Yeah, okay, maybe Stevens. I'm a little more on board for that. Um, yeah, yum yum. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> another pick from uh, Sexy Monsters that I want to date. Um, why not Jennifer from Jennifer's Body? I'm into it. Yeah, it, I mean, she, she's more on the my, like, I do have a set of, like, kind of sleazier people that I'm like, I might get a disease by like making out with you, but I'm still kind of into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there a lot of pro wrestlers are on that list. Fun fact. Um, but yeah, she's one of uh, those top picks for me. She's, she's total, she's, she's hot in that movie for sure. And last but not least, we're going to have a twofer in only lovers left alive, Mm. both Tom Hiddleston and Mm. Tilda Swinton in Mm. that movie. That is just, I Mm. mean, that, of, but that's of, called bisexual party right speaking there. Speaking of uh, Jim Jarmusch. Um, mm. All right. Thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what are your selections? Well, um, Caleb stole my first one, but uh, it's okay because we got to talk about it together and share in that that moment, which was uh, a, a really special thing. Um, I'm going to go with an oldie, uh, but a goodie with The uh, the Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, both OG. Uh, love that hair. I'm into it. Love that Marge Simpson hair with the white streak going up the top. Oh, Elsa She's Lancaster. gorgeous. Yeah. 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 Well, Elsa yeah, Lancaster she's on my list, is yeah. unbelievably beautiful. But also, uh, I want to go with the... Uh, the reimagining uh, from uh, Penny Dreadful. Uh, mild spoilers for season two of uh, Penny Dreadful. Uh, Billy Piper gets turned into the Bride of Frankenstein, and uh, she has a really fun character arc throughout the uh, second two seasons of that show. Super into it. Uh, also going to tag in there. Uh, demonically possessed uh, Wiccan um, Ava Green. Uh, demonically possessed uh, Wiccan Ava Green, uh, also from Penny Dreadful. For some reason, I can't think of her character name, um, but uh, I, everybody knows that I'm always into Ava Green. Uh, and, and finally, I'm going to go with, uh, a, a not s- strictly speaking, a monster. And In fact, I would say really not a monster at all, but it's a horror movie, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and run with it. Uh, and that is uh, Catherine Isabel's character from American Mary, the titular American Mary. Uh, she checks a lot of my boxes, um, and we'll leave it at that. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I am uh, – we could go on and on, and I won't, uh, but I'll just name uh, some things that have – well, I mean, I want to say Ilsa Lancaster because mm-hmm. uh, Bride of Frankenstein is is formative and important, and uh, yes. In, and it's got that crazy scene with them tiny people in jars. Yeah, it does. And that is so, I like to remind people of that every time that movie comes up. I always Whoa. Think, I always think of that mm-hmm. when I watch Army of Darkness um, because there's a random small ash scene, and I always that, think – Oh, that's very much a hat-tipping to that. Hat-tipping to that thing, so uh, – it's a thing that I like very much. Um, and I will simply say, you know, all the female vampires, uh, I guess maybe I'll just pick Celine right now from Underworld. And uh, But, you know. I'm going to go with Monica Bellucci as one of Gary yes. Oldman's brides. Yes. Um, yeah, Monica Bellucci's a good pick. Um, at literally all times. At all times, yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, that was weirdly misogynistic as a game. Uh, we're going to move right along. I like to think we spread the love around a little bit. Okay. I, I spread love. Yes. I went... I went mm. When we were talking about Tom Hiddleston and Tillsman. Okay. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm Tom Hiddleston? Yeah. I, I feel okay. I, I feel okay. Yeah. So that's our gameplay. We'd like to hear- I clicked uh, my teeth at Dan Stevens. It's true. It's true. So we'd like to know what monsters you would like to date. Uh, well, you can do that via the magical means that we all know of social media. Uh, Ms. Alexander Bohannon, can you tell us where that is and where that conversation could be held? Yeah. If you want to 
tune in to our blood-sucking fiendishness, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash media. You can find us also on Instagram at good trash media. You can also find us at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash GTM. And lastly, our parent website, goodtrashmedia.com. Thank you very much for that. There is yet one other medium of social media by which we can have a conversation. Dalton Stewart knows things about it. Say words. Huh? No, I don't. No. Okay. Nope. Don't Moving know right along. Um, oh, you mean Twitter. I did. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, there is a yet another form of social media we are on. Uh, we are on Twitter at good underscore trash. As I say every time we talk about this, uh, that is not just the good trash media or I'm sorry, not just the Good Trash Genre cast, but that is all of Good Trash Media. Uh, we are at good underscore trash. You can engage with us uh, if you want to say, hey, Dustin, Arthur, when are you guys talking about this movie on uh, uh, this Hitchcock movie on the cast you knew too much? If you want to find out uh, what Caleb's new release uh, discussion is going to be over on Back to the Movies, uh, if you want to suggest a guest to me or Arthur for the People's History of Film, all of those things can be done on Twitter at good underscore trash. And finally, um, it would really mean a lot to us if you would go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to this show um, or any of the Good Trash Media shows. But uh, we're going to focus on this one because this is the show that we're doing right now. Um, it means a lot to us, and it really does help uh, spread the word, uh, the gospel of the Good Trash. All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Guys, I think it's time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business time. Oh, 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 yeah. That's right, dear listener, and that business in question is as always, analysis. I'm very, very excited to hear the words that are going to be said by my co-host. I go to you, Dalton Stewart, first. What analysis bring you? So I I, I didn't totally know how, whether I was going to go, you know, how positive I was going to go on this film to the end of the movie. And uh, it was the end of the movie that made me go, okay, I do definitely, at the very least, like this quite a bit. Um, and... Um, Again, to not get too spoilery, our our two main leads... Well, we're in, we're in spoiler territory at this point. Our two main leads end off driving off into the sunset together, right? Um, the impetus for our male lead wanting to go off into the sunset is he finds his dead father. However, when he goes to the titular girl, uh, he realizes, because his cat's with her, that she straight up murdered his dad. Um, his dad because... You know, she murdered his dad because uh, he, he was a heroin addict who was getting a little, uh, getting a little handsy with a prostitute. And um, there is this silent acknowledgement of it. Um, before they drive off into the sunset, there's this really great moment where he gets out of the car. They've, they've driven out, out to the city limits together, and he pulls off the road, and he gets out of the car, and then comes back, and they just drive off. Um, so th- this, there's a couple of moments throughout this final sequence where there is a silent acknowledgement of what has happened. Um, and he chooses to say, well, fuck it. Uh, I guess it's not that important. Um now, while, while this does play interestingly, uh, that he just is uh, very over the murder of his father, he also had a very complicated relationship with his father. He recognizes that his dad was a flawed man, and um, he's figured up enough about his uh, love interest at this point that I, I think he assumes that uh, she probably did it for a pretty good reason. Um, what I think this actually speaks to is um, it, it carries over a moment earlier in the film when um, the girl tells him that she is bad and she has done bad things. Uh, and she's like, you don't know what I've done. And he's like, yeah, you don't know what I've done, as he gives her stolen diamond earrings. Um, a plot point that never gets followed up on that I really thought was going to go somewhere, and it just doesn't. But I digress. What I think that moment and the end of this film really speak to is the the mutual agreement um that we find ourselves in when we choose to enter into a romantic relationship with somebody, because what we do when we do that, um, assuming we, we are with one person, um, let's, I'm not going to make you know too many assumptions about uh, what people choose to do here. Uh, when you uh, agree to be uh, emotionally involved with somebody, you are taking on their baggage. And that person is also consenting to take on some of your baggage. Uh, it, it's a, a bit of a mutually assured destruction uh, in some ways where it's like, Hey, I got all this bad stuff, and you're going to learn about it eventually, so let's go ahead and put it on the table. And it's a mutual swapping of damage and a mutual swapping of damage done to other people. Um, I, and I think that there is something very beautiful uh, about that, not just 
sharing your pain with other people. Uh, but also in this film, there is kind of this beautiful recognition of, of harms done to one another. Um, I gave you stolen earrings. You murdered my dad. One of those seems a little bit more severe, but we'll move right past that. Um, I, I, again, I think in its own stylistic uh, movieized way, high stakes movieized way, it does do a really good job of kind of, uh, of acknowledging that aspect of human uh, interpersonal relationships. And I think it's really beautiful. And it's just this, this really quiet thing towards the end of the film. Um, not a word is spoken about it. Um, A lot is said with glances in those last two or three scenes of the movie. Um, But I find it very beautiful. And um, there's this really great framing um, at the end of the film where it's the two of them sitting in the car with the cat sitting on top of the seat in the middle of them. And uh, I don't know, again, for me, it just really speaks to this cat represents this shared damage and pain between the the two of them Um, that, Hey, this cat is a reminder that you killed my dad. Just like children. Exactly. They fix everything. Um, if you, uh, or the reminders well, well, of the pain you, that we've caused Oh, I was just yeah. thinking <laughs> yeah. children remind you you killed your own father. No, no. It's once you've been partnered up, you'll be assigned a children, uh, a child, because that fixes everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. Didn't you know that, Dalton? Not yeah, I saw the line. lobster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw the lobster. Um, no, it, it is a very beautiful moment. It's a, a very, again, it speaks to the talent on display for our first-time filmmaker here is um, just a really, really direct use of visual storytelling, of framing them close in that car together, in close proximity with that cat between them, saying this is something that is always going to be in the middle of them, and they are accepting that, and they are choosing to live with that, because that's what being in a relationship is sometimes, is choosing to share pain uh, and share baggage. Um, and, and I think that's that's a really special thing ab- about this film. And again, it was one of my favorite things about the movie was the ending. Uh, not just because I was kind of tired and it w- was a very sleepy movie, uh, but because I do I do like the beauty of that statement. I, I find it very moving. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what analysis do you have this morning, afternoon? Afternoon now. Yeah. We've gotten into the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. we're in the afternoon. So I... I'm not going to talk about feminism on this movie. Yeah, because I think there are other things that need One to be discussed. Could, but yes. well, oh yeah, I, I think this movie has is rife with feminist analysis, and I'm sure that plenty of people have already done that. But one thing I don't think people have talked about is the fact that there are some environmental messages in this movie yes. that I think are also used to kind of orient our viewer to the morality of this movie. So some of the visual set pieces of this film include pump jacks that are shot in this beautiful, like dark shadowy uh, visual that just plays awesomely in black and white. (laughs) Dark shadows. You're welcome. Uh, And then we also have um, the element of the train uh, going through that one shot. He tells her to meet him at a power plant. There's a lot of issues in this film um, and a lot of talk in in visual set pieces um, showing the environment and also highlighting how we as humans are exploiting the environment. To the point where we have a party sequence in which someone is wearing Ronald Reagan mask. Which, what did Ronald Reagan do in the 1980s? Uh, Fucked up the Middle East for oil, basically. Um, So I think that there's a lot of things that this movie is trying to say about the environmental issues. And I think that, well, first of all, it's, it's saying that, you know, exploiting our environment um, just for the sake of gain is ill-informed and just generally bad morally Um, but I think what this film is using this environmental set piece to do is it's trying to orient the viewer's morality so whenever we have a moment in which the titular girl um, descends upon another victim or is about to kill another person about a, a couple of shots later, we have a cut-in of some kind of environmental set piece, which I think is trying to tie those two together in order to convey that while we are on the girl's side, and I feel extreme sympathy towards her, and, and, I, and I also just feel for her as a woman myself, I, I, I relate to her. But I think it's serving to remind us that what the girl is doing is wrong. And 
the whole concept of what we're drilling oil to do, we're drill we're basically extracting the earth's blood, if you will. So what is the girl doing? She's exploiting these, you know, natural resources in order to draw their um, their lifeblood and to, in order to con- to feed herself for her own gain. And I think that this that's a powerful message that I don't know if is talked a lot about because I haven't I haven't done a lot of extensive googling about the think pieces written about this movie. But I think this environmental message is very important. Sometimes whenever you watch a movie, you get so wrapped up in what the main character is doing that you forget that maybe what they're doing isn't good. And and sometimes you can have so much sympathy for a character that you can also forgive their sins. And I think what um, the director, Anna Lily Amanpour, is doing is she's trying to remind us that Everyone has these moral issues and moral quandaries and that what she is doing, the titular girl, is wrong and we should remember that it's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And uh, there's there's a there's a long history of sort of capitalist exploitation uh, readings in vampires in general. And I think the specificity of oil and uh, what's going on. You mean the black blood of the earth? The black blood of the yeah, yeah, we yeah, we just. I think the, I think know, the, I, I think yeah. the blood analogy. As soon as you said that, stuff. I started thinking about Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, it is a movie I don't like. That, it's too bad. You're wrong, um, but nonetheless, uh, so I think it's absolutely there, Alex, and I very, very much uh, appreciate that. So I want to talk about something that is a, a little bit more meta, I guess, in Yay. some sense, because uh, I want to talk about film watching and the kinds of spectators certain kinds of films create, right? And there are films. I think about some avant-garde film where uh, the whole process of the film itself is they have a clear white you know, strip of celluloid and they just keep running it through the projector and that creates the sound and images of the film through the scratches and you, you know, draw attention to the film itself is very, very structural in that kind of way. Um, there are films that are very much immersive in which you want to, they want to create a, a sense of a world and you're part of it. I'm looking at you, James Cameron, uh, most clearly Avatar uh, recently, the 3D experience of that. Uh, there, there are films that, that want you to know you're watching Watching uh, one of the movies, right, and it's it, it's a movie movie, right? And so I'm looking at you singing in the rain and and those kind of movies. And, and then there are these films that are uh, about cinephilia, that are about the love of movies, and they're full of these references. And they are uh, they're sort of a showcase of the influences and, and much of the pleasures of watching that film is found in sort of knowing where this stuff comes from. Does that make sense? It is. It is in. It's the intertextuality that makes the film viewing experience pleasurable. And this film is one of several films that I would uh, I would qualify as the intertextual film. Jaha. You know, I mean, that's what it's doing. Uh, there, when we see the 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 fifties looking is, is, is I think it's the the modern Thunderbird, right? Uh, I can't tell. It's like the modern Thunderbird with like some fenders put on it or nah, if it's more I mean, of an old I, school Thunderbird. I think it Thunderbird. is an actual. Okay. I don't know if it was a Thunderbird. It's definitely not one of the newer ones. Because they, they've remodeled the Thunderbird. To look know, like the older ones. More like they the still older look one. like a modern car. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but it felt weirdly like Elsewhere's as a design. It, but I was I wasn't watching real close to it as well. Yeah. But, it felt very pulled out of time. I, at first I had trouble orienting myself. I'm like, what era are we supposed to be in? Right. Well, the, him in his white T-shirt and his James Dean haircut, smoking his cigarettes, right? It does feel very, very much like something you might see in The Postman Always Rings Twice or some of those classic films noir. Right. But but it is very, very, very reminiscent of noir and of the 50s without placing it in the 50s by making that choice with that particular vehicle uh, for our main character, our main male character, that is. Uh, obviously, our vampire uh, girl who walks home at, alone at night is, is very reminiscent of our main character in Persepolis. Uh, there's a, the, the way the iconography of the hijab is being used uh, with a sort of punk t-shirt, t- t- tennis shoes and a t-shirt underwear under it is it, used in Persepolis a lot. Her love of, again, it's like this weird 80s sort of era that she lives in yeah. in her apartment. It's like all Madonna and Duran Duran and, on the walls. And Michael Jackson Michael posters. Jackson. Yeah. yeah, so it's very post-punk, very pop uh, in, in, in some strange sense. It's also just the striped shirt itself. I mean, I'm looking at you, uh, the most referential of referential films, or the first referential of referential films, perhaps Breathless uh, by Jean-Luc Godard. Uh, we've already talked about 
about the Western stuff in terms of using uh, some of the uh, chador is another word for for the same thing. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different. It's yeah, a little, a slightly, hijab usually uh, denotes like a full body thing. A chador is different than just a head covering. It's there's nuances. Yeah, there are nuances. Yeah, I, I apologize. I was using the more sort of yeah, broad no, I just, base. I figured you'd want to know terminology. Uh, but you know, the, but that use there again is very reminiscent of Persepolis. Uh, the striped shirt is like breathless that we see. Uh, the way the film uses this sort of rock and roll uh, ennui uh, sort of boredom as as a motivation it is very Jim Jarmusch like wa- ennui. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, again, as we've already mentioned, it throws those those beautiful um, Sergio Leone titles up at us yes with the, a girl walks home alone at night and occasionally the the marconi sounding score with yeah, the with well, the horns mm-hmm. and, and and you know we've got all this the, the, this going on in here and uh, then the, the, just the on the nose stuff i'm dracula but mm-hmm. no no you're really not dracula and uh, so you know we've got that going alongside it. also just this sort of weird lynchiness that that is dreamlike in the way that the narrative is put together the scene the one that i was like that made me go this is real lynchy is is when it's it's shortly after the opening, um, we cut to his dad shooting heroin between his toes. Yes, while he's in the room, and it's not really clear who it like. There's not a clear understanding of who is who and why they're there at first. That mm-hmm. very early scene with him, the drug dealing pimp, and his dad felt very Lynch to me, yeah. especially the way it was lit. And yeah, I I really enjoyed that. And just the name Bad City, you know, like Deep River mm-hmm. or you know Lumbertown or, or Twin yeah. Pines, yeah, twi- Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about Back to the Future. <laughs> this Twin Valley or, or uh, it was a Lone Hill Pine. Valley. No, it was a Twin Pine Mall. Twin Pine Mall. No, it was the, Hill the Lone Pine Mall. It was definitely Hill Valley, but with the mall, I think yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Pine. I fucking know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but 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 the referential stuff is there, yes. and, and so it, it creates this sort of sense of cinephilia. And, and what you do when you're watching the film is that you are watching a film that really means very little on its own. I I, I can imagine a person who is sort of unaccustomed to films in general who hasn't seen a lot of movies watch a movie like A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and go, okay, not a whole lot happened. It was pretty. Right, they would understand that it was pretty, and they may or may not know that there is something referential going on there. But that they part of the joys of the film is like this is not like a vampire movie that you've seen before. This is very, very much like Persepolis, which you may have seen before. This is also uh, couching all the references like a Jarmusch film might do. This is this is doing some of the same sort of visual uh, narration as a film noir, but it's also upsetting the apple cart on that in some places. And so the way in which this film is like and unlike the other films is where its pleasure lies. And that is a, a different sort of spectatorship that sometimes you're not always in the mood for that's not all spectators want to be placed in and it does require a bit of it, it, there's there's like prerequisite courses uh, for this level of film watching if that makes sense it's a uh, professional film watching as we yeah. w- refer to it as and so th- this film I- I- is a great example of that kind of uh, film that is really about its intertextualities as much as it is about what happens on the screen itself. And so uh, that's just something to be thinking about. So I want to, I guess, create the category, the intertextual film, uh, rather than calling it the reference film. Or Are something. you going to write a paper about it now? Probably. Okay. I don't know, who knows? Or something. It's assigned to you, Pops. Okay. Thanks. Uh, so there you go, uh, dear listener. That is our analysis as it stands at this point. We are so appreciative of you listening in to the show. We mu- we come now to a point that we must render a verdict, though. Show for trash and then recommend our else's or instead's. I'm very, very excited to hear these words. My co-host, Caleb Masters, I go to you first. Show for trash and then your else or your instead. Yeah, no, shelf it. This is a great movie. I, uh, I also think if uh, we're going to ride for some more non-traditional vampire films, I think Let the Right One In is uh, a really great film. The original film not the americanized version uh and then dustin you mentioned uh, persopolis which uh, not vampire not even uh iranian american per se uh it's a french film yeah but but it's it's got iranian uh writers well, it's, it's, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, writers and the person's from iran and yeah, it, yeah. It's super super valuable uh just the the uh aesthetic of the black and white use i thought was cool so i always like to throw that film out there because uh it's graphic novel but i think the film's also really great and lastly kind of doing that genre mashup i think the really great one you can always go back to is dark city where you're watching a sci-fi that might be set in the 1950s but might be set in the matrix we're not really sure it all kind of bleeds together and it's like to your reading it it, it really brings in all these different genres and like inside baseball references there that only like the hardcore cinephiles are going to get to so i think that would be a great uh, kind of double header there all right well thank you very much for that 
that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you want to say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? Uh, I'm going to go a soft shelf on this. Um, Again, as we've talked about, this is not something that uh, most people are going to get a lot of joy out of. It is for a very specific group of people. Um, And uh, again, under different circumstances, different settings, I probably would have been, if I had seen this in the theater, I probably would have been head over heels for it. But um, being a little bourbon drunk in my apartment, uh, having not left all day because of the weather and transportation issues, I was just a little restless and I didn't want to be sitting down watching a slow, quiet movie. Um, I just watched Primal Fear right before this, and that was much more the speed that I was looking for uh, yesterday. So, again, soft shelf. I probably won't ever get around to watching it again, which is a shame because I think uh, under different circumstances, I probably would have gone more for it. But I can definitely recognize, even if I didn't totally hook into it, it's a very solid movie. To pair with it, I think some interesting choices would be uh, another uh an actual vampire western, but also directed by a lady that is Catherine Bigelow's uh, directorial debut, Near Dark, um, which is probably, is definitely not as good as this movie, but is much more fun, because uh, it's got Lance Henriksen and uh, Bill Paxton as uh, evil vampires, so that's a lot of fun. Um, I would also recommend, we've talked about Jim Jarmusch a little bit, the Jim Jarmusch film that I'm most familiar with that this seems to borrow a lot from is the... Uh, 94 i want to say film dead man starring johnny depp uh it's also got iggy pop and billy bob thornton in it uh among uh, lots of other cameos um it's a it definitely same kind of speed as this movie i mean it's kind of laconic um and just kind of drifts from one scene to another that that film is definitely much more a film of vignettes than uh girl walks home alone at night and finally i am actually going to recommend sorry caleb the american remake to let the right one in let me in because i've never seen let the right one in unfortunately although i do like let me in they're both uh, they're both they're both great for different reasons i i think uh more relative to this film is the yeah original. i was just gonna say let me in because it's the one i've seen um and it, i did did definitely think about it a couple of times while I was watching this, although it's very much a very different movie. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, uh, you picked this film. Now, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Elsewhere instead. I did pick this film, and I'm going to say hard shelf. Give me a Criterion Blu-ray, please, now. I would really appreciate that. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. So uh, I will recommend movies I would pair with this movie. Um, for the ennui and the black and white, eight and a half, another sleepy movie. Do not double feature these. You will die. Um, well, you, will, sleep. you will not enjoy yourself. Uh, a sleep like death. Red Bull, please, before both. Um, another, uh, obviously you have to go with a classic Nosferatu. Come on. I mean, if you're going to start with vampires, you've got to start from the beginning, especially whenever we get these like very stylized, like she descends on the, on the person, um, with her hijab, but it looks like a, a vampire cape, which is fantastic. Terrifying. Um, of course I've already referenced it, but I'm going to drop it again here. Uh, only lovers left alive for a vampire movie. That's not really about, Vampires per se, it has them in it, but there's um, only like one scene of hardcore vampirism. And and I think that is also an interesting love story um, also that has vampires in it. Also very much about the environment. So yes, yes, it does. Uh, yeah, because well. of the Detroit thing. I love it. Um, and last but not least, a movie that I love so dearly. Spring Breakers, uh, because of the it's a it's an odd pick, I would say, but uh, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. I'm glad that someone else agrees because yeah. whenever she there's the whole filleting the finger part, and then whenever she bites it off and makes him fillet it, that I could only think of the uh, gun fellatio sequence um, with Alien, and that douchebag also kind of looks like James Franco in. Uh, well, to be fair, that douchebag looks like Ninja from. Uh, Durant Wood, which is who James Franco looks a lot like in that movie. Yeah, so I mean, there's again, going back to the intertextual film, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a give and take between a lot of these movies, but definitely Spring Breakers, if you want to see um, women being disempowered, but then becoming re-empowered and then uh, taking no shits from dudes. Excellent, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon. I am just going to name uh, two vampire picks that are a little off well, be, uh, with my shelf, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to yeah. state that. Let me shelf, 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 shelf. Uh, absolutely, shelf. Um, I should shelf this. You should shelf it. Yes, um, I'm with Alex. I want that Criterion Blu-ray. Um, you can send it to me uh, via, uh, you know, the mail, and I'll let you know how to do that via social media. Uh, but 
I would say uh, two sort of uh, other vampire picks. One that I've talked about on the film syllabus, and that's Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, which is a Alice in Wonderland vampire story, and uh, really fun. And Alex likes that movie a lot, too. I love that movie a lot, and I think that was the movie I'd forgotten when I was making my list, so thank you for picking it up. Oh, it's fine. And uh, so there's that. Um, also, I'm, I'm going to mention a movie I've mentioned before. David Lynch produced a uh, black-and-white 90s vampire film called Nausea. And, uh, I it's, knew you were going to say Nausea or Irma Beth. Well, uh, I knew, I knew it. I knew it's it. It's black and white. It's 90s. It's using contemporary music. It's got the Lynchian vibe mm. and aesthetic. Also, much use of the Fisher-Price pixel cam uh, camera for the vampire vision. Uh, yes, <laughs> indeed. A child's toy is used to make a Hollywood film. And, Love uh, it. That's the thing that happened. But that's only those little sections of it, so don't look for the whole thing to be with the pixel vision. But uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's weird. And Lynch is in it for just a second as a uh, sort of uh, absent-minded uh, morgue guard. So is David Lynch. As David Lynch. Uh, that's what he does uh, most of the rest of the time when he's not making movies. So uh, anyway, um, I hear that gum you like is going to come back in style, and that's one way to get you in the mood for that Moving right along, though, dear listener, we're so glad you've listened to us throughout the course of this show, and we want to remind you about next week's show. Uh, we're going to finish out our anti-trash marathon for the month of January with Catherine Bigelow yeah. and Zero Dark Thirty. I'm so happy. I'm really excited. Uh, I haven't seen this movie yet, so uh, I'm, I've been wanting to go back and revisit since I saw it in theater. It's been a long time since I've uh, checked back in with this movie. Um, I'm, I've been looking forward to it, and I'm glad we're going to get to talk about it on the show. It's going to be good. We're going to talk about torture, I got a feeling. So, oh, yeah, probably. It's going to come up. It's going to come up. That's going to be a thing. So, nonetheless, uh, that's happening next. Uh, take a look at that. Take a look at A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Take a look at anything that has shorter titles. Uh, take a look at films in general and have a conversation. Because what makes m- watching the movie so much fun is the conversation, not just the 90 minutes in the bucket of par- popcorn. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. And we'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandro Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.